This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, hello there. I am the... uh... Sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, along with Charlie Dobbin, who, of course, is the mainstay of the show. <laughs> I'm only here to bow and genuflect to her. <laughs> you, uh, you're really, uh, really doing that a lot, eh? Making well, fun. No, I'm not making My fun. little grasshopper. My little goddess. No. <laughs> and David Gaskin in there looking at us like, man, what? they're nuts. <laughs> anyway, here we are, the garden show on the air. For a, a cold Saturday morning, gosh. It's a sunny one. Yeah, well, yeah, you were saying on the way in. Blinding. You, whoa. <laughs> Come, were you coming down the uh, Don Valley? Yes, indeed. And oh. that sun's just coming over the horizon, yeah. and, it, you know, there's just not enough visors. And you're just and... praying there's not something in front of you yeah, because, because you can't see. You can, well, you, yeah, you can only flip your visor in so many directions at once, and it's, I tell you, it's it's extreme. It must be a ball watching you driving, if I can see you flipping the old oh, you visor know, around. I'm, it is. I'm, I think I'm probably pretty amusing when I drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. Anyway, we're here on a, uh, what is it, the 5th? It is. November the 5th. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll get the phone numbers okay. in uh, so folks can start calling in as they are right now, as a matter of fact. In Toronto, uh, give a call to 416-360-0740. And then if you're uh, anywhere out of town, anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And remember, my friends, oh, yes, Patrolman Proctor here. I'll pull you over if, if, if you don't abide by our little motto here. Call early, call off, and one question per call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's a question. Do you know okay. why tomorrow is my favorite day of the year? Because you get to sleep in an extra hour. <laughs> exactly. Huh? Yeah, that's right. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. I'm looking forward to no it No matter well. how late I sleep in, it's still going to be an hour earlier when I wake <laughs> up, right? I love tomorrow. I love a 25-hour day. Think of the things we can get done. All right, a couple of things coming up. Speaking yes. of getting things done, uh, the Burlington Horticultural Society is having their monthly meeting this Wednesday, November the 9th at 7.30 p.m. It's going to be a very fun evening. There's a potluck dinner, a slideshow of gardens from the 2011 Garden Tour. There's uh, prizes, awards presentations, and so much more. As well, the Burlington Green Environmental Association will be there to accept a check for $2,000 that the Hort Society has raised towards a community garden area planned for 2012. Oh, that's neat. So that is neat. Yeah. Uh, so the meeting, of course, takes place at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street. For more information, www.burlingtonhs.com. Mm-hmm. Also, November the 9th, 
The Riverdale Hort Society is meeting, and of course they always meet at the Frankland Community Center, which is at 816 Logan Avenue, 7.30 p.m. This is an interesting evening coming up for them. Their speaker is James Graham. Now, his topic is interesting. It's going to be a talk and demonstration ranging from dahlias to vegetables and anything else that strikes his fancy. (laughs) He's very inspiring and he's lighthearted. So, you know, sure to be entertaining. Uh, That's both those are happening on Wednesday. And on Tuesday, the Lakefield Hort Society is pleased to announce the speaker for their meeting. Uh, That's November the 8th, 7.30 p.m. at the Marshland Center in Lakefield. The speaker is Peter Green. He is um, proprietor of the Greenhouse on the River. So I guess it's, I've never been to the greenhouse on the river, but I I guess it's a retail garden center. He's speaking on behind the scenes preparations for the growing season. So what it is, is he apparently has an uncanny ability to find unique plant combinations and to sell plants that are not often seen in other nurseries. So I guess he does some real nice specialty stuff and uh, he's going to be giving some, some of the behind the scenes scoop on, I guess, where and what he does. That would be a good place to head if you know somebody in in your circle of friends. Mm -hmm your family who loves gardening mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you show up with a present for them uh, one of these something unusual and really unique. unusual things. Yeah, yeah and I guess he does real nice combinations mm-hmm. he plants mm-hmm. up baskets and hay baskets just, just the way he puts things together I guess is very creative and unusual which is great you know love that we should and, get him on the show one time well there's a thought you know uh, for more information www.lakefieldhort.org <laughs> see there you go again what? taking over no I'm not yes just you are making a nice little suggestion <laughs> Whose show is wasn't this? Wasn't plugging my show. My, I was my trying sous to, chef. I was trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anything else you have there? Uh, no, no, at this no. point. I have a couple of emails that I, I'm happy to get to at some point, but I don't okay. think we have time. But remember, you can always email me at cdobbin, so C-D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. Why, well, you're some good speller, ma'am. <laughs> Son of a gun. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay, then. Do uh, <laughs> you, you remember Red Skull and Mortimer Snurd? I do, oh, but Mortimer I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, all right. Okay, uh, we better move along here. I'm yeah. getting I'm getting the word, or the eye at least, from David Gaskin, our producer, going, Mm-mm, let's go. Okay, 416-360-0740 in Toronto, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free as mentioned, 1-866-740-4740. You set to rock and roll here? Uh, anytime. All right, back after these words. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And Frank Proctor along for the ride here as we say good morning to Sharon calling in from West Lorne. Hello, Sharon. Good morning. Morning. Yes, how how are you, Charlie and Frank? Very well. That's good. Beautiful day. Gorgeous. Yes, I can't hear you too well. Oh, we'll tell you what, ask your question, and then we'll give you a chance to turn, uh, to hang up and turn your radio back up. That might make it easier to hear. Okay, okay, well, I can, I can, it's better now. Oh, okay. Oh, is it? Okay. It's better now. Um, no, I'm calling about composting. Mm-hmm. Now, I know about uh, inside scraps and leaves mm-hmm. and grass clippings and um, anything else, dirt or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but I was wondering about any kind of plant material. I was out the other day, it was a beautiful day, and I cleaned up the flower beds and the hostas and the peonies and whatever. I left the, the sedum and the cone flowers and the daisy thing sticking up for, for the seeds for the birds. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Um, but um, 
I was wondering about, is there any perennials or that that I can't put in the, the compost? Usually we recommend that if a perennial is diseased, so an yes. example would be, say you had flocks, garden flocks. No, was, I don't have flocks. Yeah, covered in mildew, that you probably wouldn't want to put in the no, composter. No. But otherwise, I personally put just about everything in my composter. I try and avoid, well, it, weeds I put in my composter, but oh, no. we always want to make sure the weeds are not in, have seeds attached to them when we do that. Yes, I don't bother putting weeds in. Yeah, so I mean, that's sort of the, the trick is most of our composters don't get hot enough to actually create a stair medium. They they get very, very warm, but they, the diseases and the, any seeds are not necessarily killed. No. So sometimes tomato seeds will survive in a composter. I've had mango seeds grow in my composter. <laughs> so there, there's that, that sometimes people say, oh, I don't want that kind of stuff growing. No. But but otherwise, no, you're good. You sound like you've got it under control. You're good to go. Yeah. Now, what about irises? Can I cut them off and put them into? Sure. Absolutely. Yep. And I think it's a great idea to leave things like your sedum, your ornamental grasses, if you have anything like that, you know, coneflowers, millet, that sort of thing is great for the, for the birds to be able to work out over the winter. Yeah. 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 Now I I have a, um, um, a a black plastic barrel. Mm -hmm. If I drilled holes in that, Mm -hmm. um, to let the water out and the, a bit of air in and put a, a cover on it, would that work well too? Oh, yep. It should. It should. I personally have my composters are open on the bottom, so they're actually in contact with the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a my one, and, my one is. Yeah, and and the reason that I think that that works well is that the redworms that are doing so can much come of, up through. Yeah. yeah, that's right. They can go down for the winter and survive. Yeah. Uh, by getting down very close to the ground or beneath ground level, you know, surface, mm-hmm. uh, and then come back up in the spring. Whereas if it's a closed composter, that wouldn't work. I think the redworms would all die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you definitely need some some circulation, you know, circulatory holes. Yeah. So that's to let in air and let out air. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, black is great. And, and I always have it in a spot where it's getting some sun. Oh, it's, this is right out in the sun. Yep. And uh, that speeds it all up. And of course, you, you, black in the sun, you're going to have to add water because yeah. you, you want it to be like a wrung out sponge when it comes to the moisture levels mm-hmm. inside your compost. So I just, I just would drill holes in the bottom of the... Yep. In, and the side. And the side. And the sides, yep. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks thank so you, much Sharon. for your call. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. You betcha. It's uh, coming around to 918. And uh, let's see. Should we uh, do another call here? Or should we just quickly... No, let's go to another call. Let's go to another call. So you have to check. Uh, <laughs> he used to let me do that myself. <laughs> I was going to say, but, first time you've ever checked. But uh, Well, listen, I'm getting... My, my hands get sore from you smacking them. <laughs> uh, Maureen in Beamsville, how are your pumpkins out there? <laughs> Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Okay, my question about pumpkins. Um, My son-in-law grew pumpkins, and I had a couple of them. uh, I didn't carve them. I had just had them on the porch for decoration for Mm. Halloween. Now, they're really in good shape. Can I use those to make pumpkin soup, or is there only a certain type that's edible? No, no, they're all edible. They're all edible. Some are, are have been selected for soups and pies uh, just because they have thicker walls, more oh, flesh. Okay. Uh, but any pumpkin is edible. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, not to mention the seeds. Ooh, love pumpkin seeds. Okay, that's good news then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Unless you're saving seeds to grow them next year, definitely roast no, some No, I up. have no space for that. No, right? No. All right. Oh, oh excellent. Okay. Good for you. And thank you for your email last week about the uh, the bulbs. We were getting our driveway in Right, yep. And it turned out that we they had a cancellation 
I had one day to do it. The driveway's done. <laughs> oh, wow. So you got, um, Maureen, just to give people background, you had, you wrote me an email and said, what do I do? What do I do? I've got all these uh, tulips that are buried below ground somewhere alongside my driveway and my driveway is being widened and I don't want to lose the bulbs. Oh, yeah, what yikes. do I do? So what did you, what did you do? You just went in there and dug like crazy. My husband and... went out like crazy and <laughs> dug up whatever we could. Find, and right? then I just shoved them in a front garden for now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, next year I'll do something. Do the details. But yeah, yeah. It, it, the hardest part is finding bulbs in the it, fall. Yeah. Right? It was really tricky. <laughs> it, I'm sure I lost a lot too, but yeah. at least I saved some of them. So. Oh, good for you. Thank you very much. Okay, then. we could write a You're song welcome. about that. The Beamsville bump, uh, Bulb Brigade out there. <laughs> right. My gosh. Okay, thanks again. Hey, thanks, thanks, Maureen. Maureen. Right, bye-bye. You bet. 19, uh, well, almost 20 minutes after nine. Why, why call me a liar for the you know, 30 seconds? Uh <laughs> I'll call you you anything. I know, and you do. (laughs) Even late for dinner. That's exactly right. Well, (laughs) I am not late for my morning exercises. I see that. I have begun already. Good for you, a little Mm -hmm. calisthenics. And that's because Frank and I both take something called Sierra Sil. Keeps us limber, pain-free, no sore joints here. We can move and bend and get out into that garden or kickbox, as Frank does, or shovel snow, as I do soon, I'm sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, in order to stay pain-free and active, we find that Sierra Sill works for us. It is something you can get on the website, sierrasill.ca, or you can give them a call at one 877 joint 14 or you can buy it at several uh, natural food stores one place they have it is nature village at 167 queen street in mississauga and in brampton hooper's pharmacy at 31 main street north carries it as well you supply the what and where and she'll come through with the how you're listening to the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin and Frank Proctor, in the next couple of moments, I blame entirely upon uh, Charlie because <laughs> no. I looked at our monitor here mm-hmm. and saw it's Robert calling in from Scarborough and mm-hmm. forcing bulbs in winter. And Charlie <laughs> just went off on a riff there. Yeah, some tough guy, eh? Picking on the little bulbs, huh? Forcing up against the wall. Is that what you're doing, eh? Hey, Robert? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Hello, oh, Robert. Poor Robert. Good morning. Yeah. Tell your co-partner there not to quit his day job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, blue eyes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, what I was inquiring about dahlias, tubers, and begonia, mm-hmm. and gladiolus, um, yes. storing them mm-hmm. uh, as well as the forcing of the bulb. But anyway, I've tried all the different mediums, like, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what is it? Peat moss, vermiculite. Peat moss. Yep. Uh, uh, what's that? Perlite. Perlite, yeah, and uh, I find they dry out, mm-hmm. and I lose about half of them. I've also tried a uh, brown paper bag, and uh, it doesn't seem to work. So I was just wondering what uh, would be good in the in the highest and forcing it to make it bloom in the. Oh, okay. So hold on. So two different things going oh, on here. Okay, One is so. overwintering of tender bulbs, yeah, which is where we bring them inside to keep them frost free, and that's where you're referring to perlite and vermiculite and that sort of thing, right. peat moss. Um, Gladiolas should be fine dry, like in a paper bag or, you know, a nylon stocking, whatever. They don't need to be kept. They shouldn't need to be kept moist. I stopped wearing those years ago. So. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, how about an onion bag? You're, you're as silly as Frank, obviously. Um, <laughs> you and Frank should get together. Um, but dahlias definitely need to be kept moist, which is probably why you said they shrivel up and you lose some. Well, I tried that, too, and they started to grow. 
Oh, but it's the cool. You got to keep them cool and dark. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. Well, and I've even kept dailies in a refrigerator over the winter in a moist peat moss, peat moss that I've dampened with a, a spritzer. Uh, and like yes, yeah, same with canna lilies and calla lilies. Same thing. Peat moss works because it's nice and sterile. It's that you need a sterile medium, and you need some moisture, and you do need to check every month or so. You might have to add a little bit of water. You might have to dry them out a little bit. Uh, and cool and dark is important. Okay. The other question though about forcing—that's where we actually trick bulbs into growing in our homes, which would normally grow outdoors in the spring. Like hyacinths or tulips or daffodils. Is that, and you referred to having some hyacinths you wanted to grow, you want them to grow indoors? Yes. So that's where it's just a regular, clean, again, sterile potting soil and pots. Um, could be, usually I like six inch pots, even up to an eight inch size pot. Moisten your soil. Plant your bulbs. Now, outside, we plant our bulbs down several inches underneath the surface of the soil. But when we force them in pots, we actually put the bulbs so that the, the little pointy end is up and it's right on the surface, the top surface of the soil. You can pack them in. Uh, you don't, again, outdoors, we make sure there's a nice space between the bulbs. Indoor in pots, we fill the pot, you know, edge right to the rim with as many bulbs as we can fit. Uh, one watering. What I do is a plastic bag, believe it or not. Tie a knot in the plastic bag, put a, put a date on it, and stick it in the fridge and forget about it. Look at it again in 10 weeks. <laughs> and when you pull it out in 10 weeks, or maybe your root cellar is cold enough, it needs to be less than 10 degrees, preferably 6, 7, 8 degrees Celsius for 10 weeks minimum. Okay. Okay. But it does, it, yeah, it does. It works well, but make sure you've got clean, sterile soil as your, as your beginning point. Okay, great. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much, Robert. Thank you, Robert, and for having a, at least a decent sense of humor there. Yes, even though he said that. you shouldn't change your day, quit your day <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah. well, I was hurt to the quick. No, I well, can tell. Now. Okay, phone numbers uh, to reach Charlie here in the Garden Show, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 866 740 4740, and I see we have a couple of lines open right now, so give a call in. Meanwhile, Charlie, do you have some emails? I here, do, do you I do. Um, this is one that I got a while ago, actually, and I just sort of found it buried in my pile of papers. It's from Sylvia Tolley. She is writing from, you, is it Depew? Depew. Depew, New York, mm-hmm. two miles south of the Buffalo International Airport. So her question is, what is your advice about adding sand to a clay soil to loosen it? She says, despite adding compost every season for the last 30-odd years, it's still difficult to dig in the spring before planting the vegetable garden. Um, this is a great question, and this is something I have struggled with myself, because where I live is serious clay, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where shortly after moving in, I sort of had this whole epiphany about maybe I should be opening a potting pottery studio as opposed to <laughs> gardening with my, my need of soil because it is just like slippery, slimy clay. So I spent the first couple of years when I moved in doing exactly what, what Sylvie's talking about, incorporating compost. Uh, I, I put like peat moss, you know, bales of peat moss just disappeared. I, I put in sand, sand disappeared. I got to the point of putting in gravel <laughs> and even the gravel disappeared. I was like, where's the stuff go? And of course what happens is, is when we add all these chunky things to try and break up our clay, as soon as clay gets a little bit wet, 
all the, the big, heavy, chunky things sink, sink yeah. and all the very light, fine, fine particles of the clay comes to the surface. So it's a never-ending battle. That's right. So you're digging and sweating and pickaxing your way in there. You're incorporating all this great stuff, and it just disappears, and there you are looking at that horrible clay again. So I stopped doing that. I stopped that back-breaking labor, and I just started using leaves. And that's, that's where I, you know, partially I'm cheap, partially I'm lazy, and frankly, <laughs> it's worked. So it's a, it was a good thing. And it's just the leaves now. At this time yeah. of year, my leaves, my neighbor's leaves, these are from maple trees, uh, mostly in my neighborhood, but also honey locusts and oak trees, uh, whatever I can get my hands on. I've got piles of leaves. Uh, I do use the lawnmower mm-hmm. to run over the piles just to break the leaves down smaller, particularly maple leaves. And, and that leaves. makes them decompose that much faster. That's right. right. Yeah. You are in a good, you're very nice, my Thank little you. grasshopper. You are learning. Um, so by, by chopping them up, it helps them decompose faster. It also uh, is a lighter mulch mm. to put on the surface of the soil. So, you know, put the bag on the lawnmower, oh, going over all these piles of leaves. It was cute last weekend. Eh? My kitty cat, it, my kids are too old to jump in leaves, but my cat loves jumping in leaves. Don't so, be going over the, the lawnmower. No, no, that's the scary I, part. I have to yeah. keep track of where he is because whenever I make a pile, he's like in the pile. Oh, he, it's really me. funny. And of course, I start throwing the leaves up in the air and he starts chasing him and jumping around like a crazy thing. He's really fun. Uh, much more fun than my kids. So, um, <laughs> But he's three. That might be why. So, uh, so bottom line, all those leaves go into the garden. And I'll end up with four, five, even six inches thick leaves right. on the surface of the soil as winter comes. In the spring, I move around those leaves so that the crowns of the plants, so the perennials, mm-hmm. are all exposed. And But I still leave those leaves there, and they disappear. By early July, they're gone. And my soil is much better as a result. A lot more insect activity. Worms, you know, sow bugs, all that kind of, you know, the little yep. critters, plus the bacteria and microorganisms. All of it is being fed by the leaves. So it's a much healthier soil and more active soil as a result of, of providing the leaves. And it didn't cost you a fortune. Not at all. Just running the right. lawnmower. <laughs> well, all righty. Uh, we're moving on uh, to some callers. Who, boy, oh, boy. Way to go, Dave Gaskin, our producer. He just went out in the streets and, and just... <laughs> Hauled these people into the show. <laughs> Jesse in Stratford, good morning. Morning, Jesse. Good morning. Hi. How are you guys? Hey, great, thank you. How about you? I'm just fine. I get a great kick out of listening to you guys. You're a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you. I, was, I have a coleus plant mm-hmm. that was given to me at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I want to know what do I do with it do I let it die down over the winter and plant it out, or do I keep it in the pot, or what do I do? Is it inside right now? Yes, it is. Uh, okay. Um, it is, as you recognize, a tender plant and cannot stay outside in the winter. Right. It, do you have a sunny window somewhere, southern? Yes, or, I do. You know what? I would keep it in a sunny window and just grow it as a house plant all winter. Leave, let it grow all winter? Yep, yep. Don't try and put it to sleep or, or, you know, make it go dormant or anything like that. Just allow it to be a plant on the windowsill or in the sunny area in your home. Mm-hmm. Water as necessary. Uh, is it a single-stemmed plant or is it a bushy plant? It's bushy. 
excellent. So what you're going to find is that if you water it as required and just let it be, do its thing all winter in, on the sunny ledge, uh, it will um, grow, long, like the stems will elongate. And of course, mm-hmm. the light levels are lower in the winter, so it will elongate quite a lot, actually. It won't be as pretty in February as it probably is now. Mm-hmm. So what you'll do in February is you'll get out your little scissors or your you know thumbnail and you'll nip back all the tips on the plant. And you might even nip back more than the tips. You might take off a full inch or two inches on all the little stems that are all over the plant at that point. And what that'll do is it will contribute to it being a bushy plant when you're ready to go outside. Otherwise, they tend to get a bit thin and straggly in the winter. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So in February I do that? Yep, yep. You can give a call again if you want later, you know, in February, early March. We can talk about exactly what to do. But at that point you'll also start fertilizing once a month as well. For now it's just room temperature water when the plant dries down. Okay. Okay. Okay, yes. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You're welcome, Jesse, and thank you for joining the show from Stratford. Oh, it it is lots of fun. I listen to you every Saturday morning. Thank you. Well, bless your heart. Thank you. We have fun, too. Yeah, Yeah, well, I giggle along along right with you. Okay. (laughs) Good to hear. I appreciate that. Um, I feel somehow vindicated now, you see. Be for being such a crazy guy. Um, (laughs) First plant I ever grew was coleus, like that I ever grew all by myself. You're looking at me like I'm nuts. I was about 10 years old. I had a coleus plant, and I kept it alive for, I don't know, a couple of years. It the, wasn't a good-looking plant by the end of a couple of years, but it was alive. Strangely, this is absolutely true. Last night I, was, I had uh, dinner with my youngest son, Toby, mm-hmm. and when he was a little guy, his older brother, by three years, had a, had a little bean project mm-hmm. that they brought home from school, you know? Yep. One bean planted in a little bit of dirt. And that. Styrofoam but cup. But Toby, yeah. at age, I think, three and a half got out of his crib in the middle of the night, came downstairs, and wanted to feed the, uh, the bean, bean plant. Bed. So it was milk into the <laughs> pot with the dirt, and then a banana. And what a mess, God, by the time we get downstairs, it was wicked. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah, I know. But that it was, was kind of cute. Nurturing. Exactly. <laughs> Messy. Carol, <laughs> Carol in Kitchener. Hi, and how are you doing this morning? Fine, thank you. Good stuff. Morning, what? Carol. Hello. You go ahead, dear. I would like to know I have hydrangea. Now, not the pink or blue that you buy at Mother's Day and that, but the bush, uh-huh. the white ones, and butterfly bush. Mm-hmm. Do I cut them down now or do I do it in the spring? I would wait and trim both of them in the spring. In the spring. Yep. And what you'll do with the butterfly bush is just wait in the spring to see what's alive on the bush, and oh. you'll trim down because of the top will be dead, the bottom will be alive, so you'll trim down to where you see green buds or sprouts starting to emerge. With the hydrangea, same thing, but at the same time, you will do some shaping of the plant because hydrangeas can get very big and and need to be not only trimmed back for, for removal of anything dead, but also really look at the plant and recognize that it needs to look be, you know, be looking really good by the end of the summer, so you're going to trim for shape at that time as well. Okay, right. thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, and keep listening in there And from Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, actually, I have a number of relatives on my wife's side who 
always listening from uh, Kitchener. So hello to the Shanes. And to hello, the Shanes. And I, your wife, Di, was on your show last week, wasn't she? Yes, yes. As a matter, this is a big night. This is the opening night for Gypsy. Uh, uh, in in St. Catharines. In St. Catharines at the Mandeville Theater. Nice. At Ridley uh, College there mm. for uh, Garden City Productions. And I, I haven't talked to her since... Uh, last week. <laughs> well, darn near. Yeah. You know, she's been so busy and, and she was uh, very late. It was a preview performance last mm-hmm. night. And uh, so she didn't get in until, I'm sure, after 1 o'clock. Uh, wow, so it's tonight opening night? Tonight is opening so night, So you've got yeah. the tux and the limo I, all ordered I, up? I, I have, yes. Oh, good. The limo. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Isn't she the director and producer and, oh, and yeah, choreographer yeah, sure. and everything? Well, yeah, Doesn't she, even, she arrive by she limo? She directs me around the house pretty good, I can tell you. <laughs> Gee whiz. Well, thank you for the plug. I shall appreciate that. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Let's go along to talk to... Uh, we're going around the province like crazy here. We're uh, now to Brampton to say hi and good morning to Joan. Welcome to the show, Joan. Good morning. Morning. Uh, my question is about a hybrid tea rose that I've had for over 40 years, and I really treasure it. Mm-hmm. And it uh, was not doing too well the last few years for lack of sun, so I dug it up. Mm-hmm. And I put it in a large flower pot, okay. and it's done well all oh, summer. Good. But now we're doing construction in the backyard where I want to plant it, so I have to winter it over somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wondering, my question is, can I bury it in a large uh, wooden barrel that I have full of soil? Well, it's in a pot now, you said? It's in a pot. Hey, I, I do pot and all, all into this large wood barrel. Uh, oh, okay. Um, well, is there any possibility you could bury it in the pot it's in now under the ground? It's very hard. It's like a gravel pit. <laughs> oh, my, because of the construction zone. <laughs> I wonder if there's some mm. way I can keep it above the ground right now. <laughs> okay, and you're calling from Brampton. Where is the half barrel located right now, or could you move it if you had to? You I know, could, yes. You know why? Mm-hmm. It's for your best chance of success, and this is something you definitely don't want to mess around with. It's a 40-year-old hybrid tea that you feel strongly about. Mm-hmm. It's always a bit scary to keep plants alive above ground. Right. It very much depends on the kind of winter we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have you know, 40 below with no snow on the ground, many plants above ground will die just because it's so much colder above ground than in the ground. Mm-hmm. So your idea of going into a half barrel is not a bad one because that's you know, certainly better than nothing. But the other thing I would try and consider is ensure that that half barrel with that rose planted, you know, in the pot, in the half barrel, soil mounded up all over the place around it is out of the wind. So you want to have it out of the a northwest exposure. If you can possibly put it onto the eastern side of the house. Uh, yes, I can do that. That would mm-hmm. be good because mm-hmm. uh, that you'll always have a better chance of success on the east side than on the west side. Uh, the other thing is... Um, Leaves are going to drop. Uh, could you consider perhaps a couple of bales of hay or straw? Yes, I was to, wondering about yeah, that. Yeah, to put around the half barrel once uh-huh. you've got it in position. You've got the rose buried in the half barrel. You've got soil mounded up, you know, a foot, you know, like a big sort of a mountain of soil uh, happening. And then some um, bales of straw or hay around that as well, just to get in that extra insulation. And it would be behind a six-foot solid fence. That Perfect. would give it more protection. Perfect. <laughs> Yep, because you don't really want sun on it, and you definitely don't want wind on it. And I you, don't want sun, or I do want. You don't. You don't, don't want sun no because sun will just warm it up. Okay. So if it's got, you know, if it's between a six foot fence and say the house or whatever, mm-hmm. then there's no wind and there's whatever, you know, half an hour, an hour of sun, no big deal. All uh, right, sounds good. That's a good chance of success to do that. Water it, of course, once you've put it into that half barrel, and then mound up soil and get some more insulation around it. 
Good. Let us know how that works out. Give us a call in the spring. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joan. All the best. And uh, you are listening, my friends, to AM740, Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener. I am the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. (laughs) Don't forget the word merely. I am merely, I am merely... The, why she's giving me a tough time today, honestly. I, you started it before did, the show. I did not. Uh, we're going we're to be along to talk to John from Oshawa in just a moment after these words on AM740. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. And a fun morning we're having here on uh, The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin, of course. Uh, Every morning's Frank, a fun morning. Frank having more fun than Charlie. But uh, <laughs> we're, now now you've made the list of people that we have to talk to I know, disappear. But uh, you didn't remember? Uh, well, I think... Well, no, I only had a chance, a cursory chance to look at it, and, and then you made it disappear as you're going through Google here. I'm looking up something. John, she covered up your name as she was Googling something there, but uh, you're back now from Oshawa. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you with us. Howdy doody. Howdy doody. <laughs> I want to know, um, uh, and I, I, I've seen them for the last year or two, and uh, they're back again this year. What's the black spots on the Norway maples? That is a fungal disease. And it it almost looks like somebody from above has shaken a paintbrush with tar and the black. It's called tar spot onto the leaves of the Norway maples. And it is bad this year. No question. Quite every Norway maple is infested. But you don't... uh... It's just in the fall of the year. Well, what happens is is the tree, the leaves are actually infected in the spring from the leaves that are on the ground from the fall before. So fungal spores, which are microscopic, uh, travel either in water or in air uh, and infect the very young leaves of the Norway maples in the spring. But we don't see evidence of the fungus until the fall. It's got nothing to do with the amount of rain we've had, eh? Actually, it does. The, that's oh. why it is such a, a bad case of tar spot this year is connected to all that rain we had last spring. Remember how it rained day after day after oh, day? Oh, yeah, really. And it was cold, and it was perfect for the infection of the, with the tar spot fungal spores. Bottom line, <clears throat> some people say, like there's sort of two schools of thought. One is, do not keep those leaves on the property. Bag them, send them off to the to the compost facility in your community, let them deal with them next spring, and you will have fewer spores on the property to reinfect your Norway maples next spring. That's one thought. The other thought is what I do, which is I keep my Norway maple leaves with all that infection. I ch- use my lawnmower to break them all up and chop them up small. Well, that's what I do. Yeah, with the intention that they will be well enough decomposed before spring really gets going, and we can minimize any kind of uh, reinfection. It doesn't always work. The, you don't throw them out then? You, I mean, My you, leaves? No, I keep them. Yeah. No, okay. I, I keep them, which is exactly what John's saying he's doing. Yeah. It, you know what? The, the tar spot is uns, unsightly, but it does not affect the long-term health of the trees. Yeah, well, that's what I kind of, that's what I was kind of thinking too, and I thought, I thought, well, it must have something to do with the wet weather. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it has been bad and certainly a very, very bad this year because of all that rain. And we really didn't see tar spot up until about, yeah, five, six years ago, seven years ago. That's right. So those mm. wet springs don't help. So we'll hope for a drier spring next year and we'll have maybe a less infection next fall. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, thanks for your for call, Thanks for joining John. us, John. 
Yeah, OK. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, bambino. Hey. Hey. Arrivederci. Hey. Yeah. I think John wants to be your sidekick. Well, I think so, too. Uh, well, boy, we could really get something oh, going here. I'm telling you. you know, but he want money. Oh, there's a problem right <laughs> hey, there. Absolutely. Okay. Don't have any of that. Jan in Guelph is on the line. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. Morning. I love your show. Thank you. I've just got a question here about Aspergillus flavus. They were talking about it at work in the office, saying that uh, it can uh, reside on plants and um, in walls of homes, and it can result in ear and eye infections. And Oh, they're frightening what they were saying. My now goodness. I'm frightened because I've got plants in my home. <laughs> was this uh, around the, the water cooler kind of chit-chat? Or was sort it... of, yes. Uh, okay, so they were talking specifically about Aspergillus flavus. Off the top of my head, I the only thing I can say without doing some research is it, it, if there's any question about molds or fungal spores, typically they are not on the plants. They are in the soil yeah. because, uh, you know, mold... Things grow in the soil. Mm -hmm. The moister we keep our soil, the more fungus will grow. Yeah. And we know that because of the little, you know, the little fungus gnats. They look like uh, fruit flies. Yes, yes. Sometimes they will start to infest our, our indoor plants, our house plants. Right. And they're in the soil eating the fungus. That's ah. why they're called fungus gnats. If you allow your plants to dry down between waterings, you will have less fungus. Right. Less fungus means le fewer gnats mm. as well. So that would be my one comment, that if you're concerned about fungal spores in the home, and I'm happy I will do some more research and report back more on this next week, if you like. Oh, yes, Just you. common sense says to me, have plants that can be, uh, will, or can be allowed to dry right down between waterings. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know. Cacti, for example, succulents, um, and you know many of the uh, ever the greenhouse plants can dry right out between waterings. You know, Christmas cactus is a good example. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah, and you know we don't keep those constantly moist. The amount of fungus in the soil is extremely low in that situation. Right. Okay. So is it as dangerous as they were saying? Like, can it cause eye infections, or do you have to look that up? I've looked on the web too. And uh, have, I've seen that, but uh, I thought you might be more informed than I am. <laughs> um, uh, um, honestly, um, again, I need to do... We, we know that not everybody's the same in terms of susceptibility to bacteria, bacteria or virus or even fungal spores. Right. So different people, different immune systems. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to, yeah, you're going to stick your eye like right down into the soil and, you know, rub it around in the soil. See, I might do that. I, I, think, I might do that. I think you might get an infection, yeah. Uh -huh. um, but generally speaking, if we just, you know, wash wash our hands like we do, you know, we look after our plants, we wash our hands before we're going to eat something or put our hands on our faces uh, or near our mouths, I think we're pretty safe. Good. But again, I will do some, some further research just to be clearer, but I'm just speaking really off the top of my head yeah. that it's, to me, fairly common sense that we, the, the benefits of plants far outweighs any kind of negative that they may bring into the home because the amount of oxygen that they are bringing in and the amount of air purification they are doing for you inside your home is unbelievable. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. It was only when they said it could be in the walls of the home, I thought, how on earth would you find that out? Well, older major, homes but... or basements where water often collects, uh, definitely you could. I've been in people's basements where you can smell. It smells mold, moldy, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, dehumidifiers are often used in the you know wet right. weather to try and control that. Fans to dry out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want a home that is well 
got good vapor barrier and you're not collecting moisture inside. You've got good air flow so that air is coming in and air is going out. Well, you I don't want moisture building. Yeah, I've never smelt any moldy no. smells in my home. So. No, and you don't want condensation growing, you know, p- piling up in the winter, right, on our windows. We get right. that with our humidifiers. Mm-hmm. So we're always having to adjust our humidifiers as it gets colder outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't want to build up too much moisture inside and yet a certain level of humidity is much healthier for us well, and I our plants. Well, I got a brand new humidifier recently and it knows what's going outside and adjust itself. So. Perfect. Hey, I have one of those too, those it's automatic ones. Money well spent. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, because it knows what's going on outside exactly. Right. I like those. Well, good for you. And like I say, listen next week. I'll see if I can come up with anything uh, more that might, might lend some more information to if, this. If you wanted to email me, you could. Uh, okay, well then stay on the line. Right. And Dave will take down your email address, right. or do you want to email me? I could email you. Alrighty. Again? My email is my first initial C and my last name Dobbin. Right. At am740.ca. Thank you very, very much, Charlie, and Thanks. have a good day. Thanks, Thank Jen. you, Jen. Thank you. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Pardon me, 951 here on The Garden Show from AM740. Just a moment, I have to take my jacket off. Uh, you know, Frank you... is very well-dressed today. He's looking like he's going for a job interview, actually. But anyway. <laughs> I wore this for a particular reason, Charlie, <laughs> because under this jacket, I'm taking it off now, my spandex outfit. Yes. <laughs> Let me flex my muscles. Oh, yes. my goodness. And that didn't hurt a bit. You know why? Why? I'll tell you why. Tell me why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because of the Sierra Mountains. Sierra Mountains, yes. where those minerals are naturally found and put into little pills. Let me undo this shirt. Called, see, no, Show no, yes. don't do it. Huh? Sierra Sill, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, is a very naturally occurring mineral supplement that Frank and I both take. Keeps us limber, pain-free, and silly. <clears throat> my mom says it keeps her frisky, so <laughs> there you go. It's something that it, anybody who's got any kind of joint pain can really, really feel better. And if you don't feel better, guaranteed money back within 14 days if you don't feel better, which is why the phone number is one eight seven seven joint 14 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm the uh, co-host of the show. <laughs> I snuck that. I didn't think she was listening. I, I am the that. sous chef, Frank Proctor, saying hi this time around to Enos calling in from Scarborough. Good morning, Enos. Hello. Good Hello. morning. Yeah, I have a couple of yellow raspberry plants. Mm-hmm. Now, do I treat them the same as the red ones? You do. See, they, don't, they don't bear in the spring. They bear late in the fall and... As a matter of fact, last week I even picked a few berries. Wow, that's great! Mm. So you don't get, you never get any. Is that because you maybe trim them in the spring? Well, I don't know when to trim them, but what's the right time? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there's two kinds of raspberries. There's the ones that bloom, bloom and bear early. Yeah. And then there's the ones we call everbearing. Mm. And the everbearing ones will bloom, will provide some berries in the spring, and then more berries as the season continues. Yeah. Well, I never had any berries in the spring. Nothing. Mm. Always late, late fall. Right. So what I would do is I'd leave them alone in the fall, and I would do all my trimming in the spring. Uh Obviously, you trim out any canes that have already borne fruit. That's right. And uh, any other canes that are very, very tall, we like to bring them down to about, you know, 18 inches high Uh and clean up the patch. Thin. Do they need winter protection? They shouldn't. No. Why? Do you find that you have a fair amount of dieback in the spring? Pardon me? Do you find that there is dieback in the spring that... Um. Not really, no. 
Raspberries are usually very, very hardy. They're tough. Um, The main thing they love is super sunny locations, well-drained soils. Well, maybe they don't get enough sun. Oh, maybe. Because my neighbor has a big tree. Oh, maybe. That could be it. Because they want as much sun as you can give them. Uh Uh-huh. Now, could you perhaps move a few canes uh, out of the area where they are into a sunnier spot? Uh, I'll probably have to do that. You will find you'll get more berries, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, the, they don't need a really rich soil, but it is nice to give them a top dressing of some nice compost in mm-hmm. the spring. Yeah, when you're, that, yeah. yeah, when you're doing your trimming. And thin as well, because the, the canes tend to get so dense that it's very hard to get in there. Yeah. So you want to give a good, you know, four to five, even more inches between the canes. Yeah. All right. So you think it's, it's not enough sunlight that they don't bear in the spring? I think so. Now, you'll never get a huge crop in the spring with the everbearing, but you should have some. Yeah. With spring meaning early summer, late yeah. spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, a, it is a sun thing for, for raspberries to really do well and, and to really blossom. I see. Well, thank you, Enos. Hope All that right. uh, helps thank you out. Yeah, thank and good you. luck with those yellow raspberries. Yeah. I've never seen them. I oh, they're admit. nice. Well, I brought you yellow tomatoes and you laughed. Well, so. I, <laughs> yeah, well I always laugh at what you bring me. Uh, <laughs> Heather true. in Toronto. <laughs> we can maybe squeeze in a call. Real fast. Real fast here. Hello. Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. What's... I need help from one of your listeners, not so much from you. Oh, all right. James Graham, as you announced earlier today, is coming to speak to Riverdale on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I need to confirm with him that he's coming, and I can't contact him. Oh. If anybody in that Waterloo area knows James, can please tell him to contact Heather from Riverdale Hort. Oh, that's wacky. Oh, listen, a couple of years ago, somebody didn't show up. Oh, and I tell cool. you, it's pretty sad when the president is standing at the front and there's no speaker. <laughs> well, I guess you, you had to do one of your song and dance routines. Well, that's quite right. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anybody knows James Graham, James please Graham. Tell him to contact Heather. Okay, Heather, um, what's your email address? Uh, hsinopoli at hotmail.com. Or the, even the Riverdale Hort That's Society right. is. The OHA website. You right. Can find me. And James is a president of District 17 of the OHA, and you can't find well, him through there, he right? He was when I booked him last year, but uh, I think he's now second vice president of OHA. Yeah, District so 17. Have, perhaps he has more responsibilities. That means he's traveling around. Perhaps. All right. Anybody from the Waterloo area who has contact information for James Graham, tell him to get in touch with Heather Sinopoli of the Riverdale Hort Society. She needs confirmation that he'll be there on Wednesday doing his Thank talk. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thanks, Heather. Thanks. Great Take show. Care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boy, and, you know, we've just saved the cost of a stamp for somebody there. This <laughs> well, is... Well, no, it's this <clears throat> Wednesday. Yeah. Heather needs some confirmation, Man, well, right? Yeah, that is getting cutting a bit yeah. close. It's not good. Well, in any case... Thank you so much, my sous chef. It has been my extreme pleasure. You've done a fine job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And David Gasket in there. He's done a fine job, too. I see the boys are all ready to go. Yep, Uh, they're revving their engines, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're out of here, and you're back in an hour. I am. All right. All right, well, good stuff. Thanks for all our great calls and callers. Interesting stuff this morning, too, you know. Really interesting questions. I've got some homework again. (laughs) So I'll be be reporting back on on a couple of things, and uh, that's all good, you know keeps me on my toes too absolutely right? been a delight folks see you very shortly and charlie we'll see you in a week see you then. got it okay bye-bye this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.